so we played the first thing that came to our head. Just so happened to be the best song in the world. Was the best song in the world. Look into my eyes and it's easy to see. One and one make two, two and one make three. It was destiny. That was pretty good. We, we have actually to do that really good. We're gonna have to do some editing, <laughs> and it won't match up with the actual audio, but it'll be. Uh, I like it. Welcome to Stoner's Point of View, sure we provide high-level analysis of music and movies and our impressions of such, while under the influence of legal Canadian cannabis. Sometimes, my name is Brett. I'm here with my co-hosts, <laughs> with the Comos, TP, the Tower of Power, Terrell Parker. Wait, no oh, friends. Oh, am I that way? I'm on, I'm on this side. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I'm on the video. <laughs> it's all about the audio anyway. How you doing, Terrell? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking. Good, man. And of course, we have PF, Pigfucker. Can I call you Pigfucker? No, only my friends can call me Pigfucker. <laughs> Phil Froze. How you doing, brother? Oh, fuck. I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, sorry about the holdup on this episode, folks. Shit got a little bit crazy for me there for a little while and uh, All right. needed to take a little break. So uh, glad to be back. Glad to be back. Breaks happen for everyone. Breaks happen for everyone. And I just want to say, anyone that was listening to that, if you can tell us in comments on YouTube or Twitter, Instagram, at the Stoners POV, where that reference, that pig fucker reference was from, we will cover that movie on the show, but you have to, you have to get at us. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, if you want to find all of our content in one convenient place, uh, the stonerspov.com is where you can find that. Uh, Fuck, check I should probably update that. Probably. <laughs> uh, check out our YouTube, check out our Spotify, and just check us out, because we're awesome. Um, we've got a pretty uh, kick-ass show today. Oh, oh, original. Um, it is week three, <laughs> and due to the circumstances uh, surrounding the last couple of weeks, it will probably be the last week of Ass Kick in April. Uh, we're probably only going to do three installments, um, but that's okay, because this is a banger of an episode. We're doing Tribute by Tenacious D, which, great song. One could argue it's probably the best song in the world. Um, well, I mean, it's a tribute to the best it's a song. It's tribute world. to the best song. True. Yeah, let's, yeah, 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 you're right. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to get into Kick-Ass, which I was very happy to watch and, and, uh, kind of process this week. That was a, yeah, sweet movie. So I can't wait to get into that. Um, yeah. Anything you guys want to, uh, want to touch on before we get into the nitty gritty? Well, since we're talking about Tenacious D and their mm -hmm. song Tribute, yeah. I wanted to play a little game this week called Jack Black or Jack White. Hey, Jack, or, Jack or Jack. What so did you a... do? What yeah. did you do? <laughs> I hate I, I Jack on Jack violence. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about some quotes, and Brett and Phil are going to guess if it was Jack Black from oh Tenacious my. D or Jack White. From the, the white you know, stripes. The, the oh my! I, I'm, Are you guys ready for this? I did that. You did this, man. I'm pretty pumped. Let's well, go. I felt like you were left out on the game, and you did the Rogan Rogan thing. So yeah. you know. Yeah, sweet. All right, let's get this started. So this is the first time we're playing. Uh, it's probably going to be the last time. So winner takes all. There isn't a lot of votes. So if if <laughs> I win, Phil's fired, and if Phil wins, Phil's fired. Deal. Sounds good. Uh, all right. So. I like those odds. <laughs> Let's get started. 
vinyl is the real deal. I've always felt like until you buy the vinyl record, you don't really own the album. And it's not just me or a little pet thing or some kind of retro romantic thing from the past. It's still alive. Who? I'm going to say Jack White. I think it's Jack White as well. You're both right. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That was hard, man. You picked hard ones. <laughs> okay, so number two. We're in the dark ages if J-Lo could have a music career because of her ass. And let's face it, that's it. I'm going to say Jack, Jack Black. Black. Damn, you guys are two for two. Ding, ding, ding. Right. All right. Th- this is the tiebreaker. I make a mean peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Jack Black. Ah, uh, Jack Black. You're both right. Luckily, <laughs> I live another day, motherfuckers. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> There's a tiebreaker. I prepared for this. Damn it. <laughs> Number four in the final one. Uh, if you guys tie it, like that's gonna be it. Though. I don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> this generation is so dead. You ask a kid. What are you doing this Saturday? And they'll be playing video games or watching cable. Instead of building model cars or airplanes or doing something creative, kids today never say, man, I'm really into remote-controlled steamboats. <laughs> Jack White. Jack White. Fuck you guys. It's a tie. It's kind of like, you got them both all perfect. Good job. I guess well, you guys the one guy, like, he, he lives in the past and takes himself super seriously. And then the other guy is Jack Black. So yeah. that's... It's kind of an easy one. <laughs> and, but, and, you know what I, I always found that with like Rogan and Rogan? Like yeah. um, Joe Rogan is like kind of like the weird, like not fun stoner to hang out with. That's like always like thinks they're smart and telling you like facts about things. And then Seth Rogan's like the cool fun stoner to hang out with. <laughs> Have you seen his Twitter? <laughs> oh, Seth, Seth Rogan is a, a savage on Twitter. Yeah, savage social justice warrior <laughs> it's true it's true um please mr millionaire tell me about how i should live my life <laughs> uh so jack black is one half of the band recovering today tenacious d and uh, in their second appearance on the podcast yes biodome and jack black's third appearance uh high fidelity uh mm. so Go check those episodes out. Maybe not the Biodome. Well, yeah, check the Biodome one out because we rip it to shreds. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I watched the video for this because I don't think there's any better way to enjoy this song than watching the music video personally. So I would advise anyone listening to do the same. Um, basically, it starts out the guys are heading to a karaoke studio that uh, Jack Black has hotwired up to be a real studio. And uh, the song comes on, and my first thought was that, like, it's so good. And, and we've talked about this with Jack Black before in the, uh, in the Biodome episode, how he was, like, the best part of it. But also just his role in High Fidelity and stuff, how, like, he doesn't seem like he's being serious, like he ever. But somehow the talent just exudes through that. Yeah. And he, man- and he manages to just be incredible at whatever he's doing, even though he's just, it, to me, it seems like he's just kind of like flippantly going out there and busting out these five-star performances. I'm like, what is going on with this guy? Like, 
He's very talented. Yeah, well, he's just he's one of those assholes who just is is just naturally talented mm-hmm. at pretty much anything he seems to try. And, you know what's ins- uh, I deeply resent people like that. <laughs> you know what's insane? Like Jack, I don't know if you guys know this. Just a little fact of it. Since we're you know gushing about how much we love Jack Black. Yeah. Did you know that Jack Black's mom helped create the abort system that rescued the Apollo thirteen astronauts? And she did this. While, like, basically being pregnant with Jack Black and, like, gave birth to him, I'm pretty sure, like, shortly after, um, she basically saved them. So, yeah, like, Judith Love Cohen, who helped create the abort guidance system, which rescued the Apollo 13 astronauts, went to work on the day she was in labor. She took a printout of a problem she was working on into the hospital. She called her boss and said she finished the problem and gave birth to Jack Black. So he's not just naturally talented. Pretty sure his mom is kind of... Kind of a mainline to talent right in yeah. those veins. <laughs> yeah, that that explains that, 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 that explains a few things up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then uh, off the bat, it just like uh, gets on the mic. He's like, "This is the greatest and best song in the world." And then <laughs> the music starts, and it's like that nice. Yeah, <laughs> like the yeah the acoustic guitar that starts out is really good, and tenacious D like man. I need I say more. Go go run through their discography. You'll have a great time. Uh, I I like the video too. I, I just like how they're they're in this studio and then uh, the story of the song starts and they talk about how they're walking down this road and they meet this demon who's like play the best song in the world or I'll eat your souls. And, <laughs> that uh, demon is Dave Grohl who played drums yes. yeah, on the yes. song, which is insane. I, I have yeah. in in uh, brackets here Dave Grohl the devil. Question mark. So yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that you cleared that up for me. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Dave Grohl plays drums on that entire album, and I believe does a lot of the electric guitar. So like, uh, no, like, he, like does, the solos he does a lot of the stuff. rhythm. He does a lot of the rhythm guitar. The the solos. A lot mm. of them are actually done by this guy named Warren Fitzgerald, who's the guitarist of the Vandals. Mm. Okay. Very cool kind of skate punk band. Yeah. If you never listened nice. to the Vandals. Check them out. They're probably one of the best of that genre, and really not as well known as they should be, in my opinion. Yeah, um, that's that's a great fact. Um, the lyrics in this song are really good, really kind of entertaining, more so than like deeply profound, I would say. But still, you like you can't you can't watch this video, listen to this song, and not enjoy it. In my opinion, um, if you do, unless you don't you, enjoy rocking out, you're yeah, some like yeah, Christian it, grandma or something, or, or yeah, you just. Like, or you just take like music snobbily too serious, too seriously. Like, yeah. Well, if you're not way. digging this, like, you're you are no fucking fun. Like, you're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I just want to say, both these guys are amazing performers, and like we all know, Jack Black's a, a great performer, but Kyle too, man. Like, get, oh yeah, oh yeah, Kyle. Like he's he's great. oh good old KG man, the Rage Cage. Yeah. The Rage uh, Cage. the man is a is a is a virtuoso on the uh, on the old. Uh, on the old get fiddle there. Um, well, it's, not, yeah. it's not only the get fiddle, like they can just pull out these amazing harmonies seemingly mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And, and they're just awesome. Like, and you could tell the guys are just having fun. Kind of just like, whoop, here's a sweet harmony. And yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. I think my favorite part of the song is when it's just like the vocal, like, ah, and like the full <laughs> band comes in, like that part, like rocks my balls off every time. Oh, yeah. I hear it. And yeah. you could feel like the palpable energy that like when they were writing that, it's imagine like I always try to when I'm stoned. One of the things that I do, I don't know if you guys ever do this. When I'm listening to a song I really enjoy, I kind of like imagine myself like writing it and performing mm-hmm. it and being on stage. And when that part comes in, I'm like, 
this really is like a really like great rock song. And funny mm-hmm. enough, I don't know if you guys know about this. Like according to Jack Black, he played one by Metallica uh, to, to Gas and called it the best song in the world. And they wanted to make something close to it, but instead to make it decided to make a tribute to it. So that's where this song right. actually comes from. But the reality is, if you know anything about music, this song's in A minor. It uses pretty much all the same chord progressions as Stairway to Heaven. Just top mm. fact. Like um, the riff at the end kind of signifies that it's kind of like a. And uh, speaking of uh, Metallica, if you know of anything about music, uh, you know that Lars Ulrich is a shitty drummer. <laughs> and you can find that out on our episode about Dumb and Dumber and Master <laughs> of Puppets. Go back and check that out. We uh, we tend to not be very kind to Metallica. So if you want to hear us uh, tear them a new one, go check it out. On, on that side note, I just want to tell a side note. I was on TikTok just yesterday, and this guy, um, you may know him, you know, the singer of Megadeth. You ever heard oh, of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. You sent me the Dave Mustaine he, clip. So yeah. Dave Mustaine is like, everyone knows Lars Ulrich sucks at drums. He's not a good drummer. <laughs> and like, my favorite part about it is this guy came on there, and Buddy was like, it's not actually really hard to play metal drums, and Lars Ulrich is a, a, a pretty good drummer. And I was like, delete this. <laughs> <laughs> like, such a bad take. And like, first of all, metal is hard to play. Like, listen to this song. This song has kind of metal mm. elements to it. Yeah. And Dave Grohl's drumming it's slapping. Yeah. It's an amazing song, like all it around. I like all the little, I like all the little guitar riffs and stuff in the verse, like the little background. It's a really pro, like recorded song well, too. Like and, it sounds that, perfect. Yeah, that's what I have written here too. Is like Jack Black is is so awesome that like even when he's full goofy character, he's still playing and singing things that I wish I wrote, but I yeah. didn't. He did. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, like I remember, I remember picking up this album. Um, I had seen before, like when they, when he, uh, Tenacious D were promoting this album, it was actually just Jack Black was a guest on Conan. And, and then uh, it was right around the time when uh, Andy Richter was about to leave the show. And so Jack Black was like, quote unquote, like auditioning for the part of like to be the new Andy. And, uh, all of a sudden he, he like breaks into song and this bald chubby guy pops out from behind the couch and is just playing guitar and it's Kyle Gass and then they're like oh yeah yeah we're actually in the best band in the world Tenacious D and I was I just I thought it was so funny like I I went to uh there was a a record store in the town or nearby where we all grew up record works yeah I saw that there and I just grabbed it and just laughed my ass off and but at the same time yeah I was just blown away by the musicianship on display here well, that's what's funny about this song. It was actually originally recorded um, as part of their like short-lived HBO TV series. So the first time people heard this song was like way before the video and the, the record was released. Um, and uh, yeah, they like played it on the show. And you know, the reason why I bring up the "Stairway to Heaven" thing is that it, it um, they, they given that there's like a "Stairway to Heaven" interlude in the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's I think that tribute kind of implies that they're talking about stairway to heaven in yeah. my opinion but yeah well in kinda... uh on the show uh they actually open it up with the riff to stairway to heaven yeah no that's so great great facts boys um yeah the the video specifically correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't it on uh the pick of destiny which is like their their full video release yeah wasn't this included in that I'm yeah, pretty, I'm pretty sure, sure it was. was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, yeah. But regardless, um, one of the parts that I really, really like it's, it's about... in the trip. It's in the climax of the movie. It totally is in the movie. Just so okay. You know. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I love the little clip in the video 
uh, where the they're in this the studio, but the the shot is from outside the studio, and all you can hear is just the acoustic and Jack Black just like rocking balls before it cuts back into the song being in. I thought that was really hilarious. Yeah, that that was like that was back in the day when like every like and like every Comedy album act. had skits and every music video had like a part that like broke away from the song and yeah yeah there, there, there was yeah. a very uh, peculiar time in uh, in uh, in music entertainment. Well, to be yeah. honest with you, I hate when like comedians do the whole like I'm gonna play some songs for you that are funny. Like I find that like kind of insulting to both comedy and music. But when Jack Black does it, totally fine with it. It yeah. fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I would say so too. So then uh, we the video kind of wraps with this old lady getting an album and cackling, and uh, her eyes turn red. I believe I, I was kind of high. If I'm being honest, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I noted that because that was how it ended, and uh, yeah, I, I'm. I think I watched this video a couple of times and then listened to this song a few times um, because I was vibing so hard on it when uh, when the day to do my research was upon me. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much more to say. Uh, the song was great. Uh, Jack Black's is it the greatest song in the world though it's a tribute tribute yeah (laughs) if only we could have heard the song they played on that fateful night it'd be the first time we'd give it a 10 out of 10 because it would be the greatest song in the world right so this is a tribute Um, so Um, I you know I might say like if you know if you haven't heard this album, Tenacious D's first album, check it out. It's just, it's, it's, it's actually really from good. Front to back. Like, yeah. And like, there are just some brilliant skits in there. You know, the one note song, Amazing. uh, you know, the drive through there's, it's just, it's just solid. And like, you know, like it, it if you're driving, just be careful. Cause you might have to pull over cause you're <laughs> laughing so fucking hard. All right, well, uh, I'm ready to rank this bad boy. Uh, I liked it. Musicianship was great. It was entertaining, too. And as we've said multiple times, uh, it was entertaining in a way that didn't feel kind of, like, cheesy, like it usually is when... when It was a good way you put it there, Terrell, when people try to mesh music and comedy. Um, This was done properly, in my opinion, and the song was great, and I loved it. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I am also going to give it an 8 out of 10. It's it just, I don't know, there's something about it. I think, you know, when it came out, too, I remember the music video being, like, on all the time. This was, like, in 2002, so I still lived at, like, my parents' house, I remember. Because um, it was, you know, like, 19 years ago. So, and <laughs> anyways, I kind of, I remember getting slightly annoyed by how big it was back then, now that I, I remember. But what happened to me is I, I put on the whole record, and, like, by the time you get to cock push-ups, you know, you're having a great time. You're laughing, <laughs> you know, and it's a great musicianship. Uh, and, yeah, I, I love this song, and I, whenever I hear it, I just want to rock out. So, 8 out of 10. Uh, you know what? I, I, would, I would give this a 10 out of 10, but uh, apparently there is a better song, the best <laughs> song in the world. Uh, out there, floating out there somewhere in the ether. It must be um, uh, Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, maybe that was the song they <laughs> played Imagine on that. that like, one, two, da 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 I wouldn't crack with this with a tail. <laughs> go go, go <laughs> check out uh, our Event Horizon episode and you'll see what we're talking about with all this. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna give it. Uh, you know what? I, I just I I I played this album on repeat. Uh, big fan of the D. Uh, <laughs> I bet you, if you are. know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. Just to, you know, this whole album just holds a, a special place in my. Heart. I do remember you really, really being into this, like when it yeah, came out. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Um, I remember. Which one is morning. funny because, like, it's you probably like, how I heard of them. To be honest, yeah, I woke up one morning. I remember, and I put my headphones on. They're they're like can style ones, like this. And I and I put that album on, and I'm just like listening. It's, uh, it was one of the first songs. It was like. Uh, the one where it's like, hear me and KG come naked. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, why does it sound so muffled? And then I realized I just had it cranked in my room and my mom like busts in the door like, what are you listening to? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know. It just came on. It must have been a mistake on the radio or something. Um, God, Which is hilarious because at that time you were listening to like Thursday and Poison the Well, but that's the stuff. That set her off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a classic song. Um, yeah, nine out of ten for me. Beauty. Awesome. Well, uh, that'll do it for the first half, the song portion of our show. Um, we're gonna take a little brief pause to uh, refresh ourselves before we come back and dive into uh, "Kick Ass," which uh, I got lots to say about that. Um, I'm sure we all do. Uh, so make sure you tune in after the jump. Welcome back to the second half, Soner's Point of View. We're about to get into Kick-Ass, which, true to its name, was a, a great uh, Kick-Ass movie. Um, it didn't necessarily have as many deaths as the previous offerings in uh, Ass Kick in April, but it was pretty graphic as hell, and some of the deaths were... I'd argue crazier. Yeah. And oh yeah, yeah. This is it's think, a wonderful celebration of violence. <laughs> I, I think any time a little girl is ninja kicking the shit out of dudes with a fucking bow spear thing. Right. That's I don't know a lot of guys. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed this, but if you if you uh, when I I watched it on Netflix and like one of like the, like the warnings like the tags for it was actually brutal violence. <laughs> <laughs> so. On that note, I I know this is kind of deviating from our standard format, and that's okay. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible, but I want to open the show with it just because of of how the movie is. I want to list my top five deaths without trying to be spoilerific. I won't say who necessarily, but I'll just outline the deaths. And then if you guys, if there's any that I say that are that I didn't say that you guys think should be in there, feel free to jump in with those, but I, I want to start with that. So number one, right off the bat, opening scene, guy crashing into the taxi from the high rise. <laughs> are you, are like, you meaning the Armenian guy with the health yeah. problems? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly oh, him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so number two, guy who gets microwaved. Yeah. Oh, uh, that one is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that one is yeah. good. They just laugh, little goons. Yeah, yeah. I love how they show it from his perspective and everything is just getting hazy. Well, yeah. I love them like, tell us what's going on. And he's like, <laughs> can't hear them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Number three, guy killed in the car crusher. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he didn't want to die. He was sad. Yeah. yeah you know what? Like, that's such a classic trope of like, of like, yes. you know, like mob style executions, but it's, they never. They never make it as gory as it actually would well, be. That would leave blood and, and guts and shit everywhere. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. we'll, get to, we'll get to this later, but it wasn't actually the mob that killed the guy in the car crusher. Yeah. 
And but what I loved about that scene was um like the guy's getting crushed and he's screaming and he's screaming and it's not until it's like really small and you see the like spatter on the windshield that it then you're like oh god. But anyways, yeah. Um number 4, uh guy who gets tied to a chair and burnt to shit. Wow. So yeah. that, that, that was a sad part. Sad. Yeah, yeah, it was a sad, sad part, yeah. but it was it was crazy to me. And then number five, guy who gets killed via bazooka blast out the window. Obviously, so the sick. best. Death. You know what? Yeah. One of my favorites is it's 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 right around the bazooka. It's leading up to the bazooka scene mm. is when Hit Girl she like trips a guy who's holding a shotgun and yeah. he falls and blows his own head off. That was just, well, and, it's just, it's such creative violence. The, the rope I love it. was wrapped around the gun barrel too and pulled it into him under his chin. Yeah. So that, yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, well, she does something similar. in, uh, in I believe in the drug den or no, actually in the, in the hotel lobby and she gra- she wraps her grappling hook around a guy's pistol and then yeah. pulls it again. Sorry, that's yeah. the one I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah. I have as an honorable mention, just as an umbrella, like Hit Girl's entire final. I was just going like, to say, like, sequence. Hit Girl yeah. in general, like, my favorite scene is when obviously Kick Ass is shocked to see the level of savage violence. And, like, he, he sees the guy coming towards him and he's about to get beat up or killed or whatever. And yeah. then the guy just gets stabbed and he's like ah and then it's just him crying for like five minutes <laughs> so just so that people that are here aren't completely lost we we should go through just and and uh kind of take it through piece by piece but uh i wanted to do that first just because like to me that was what stuck out more than anything while i was watching was just like how insane some of the deaths were so i really wanted to cover that um but just some housekeeping and kind of some administrative stuff. Um, this is a Matthew Vaughn film mm-hmm. who also produced Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Yeah. He produced both those movies. And uh, we covered Snatch on episode 21. So check that out. And oddly enough, to tie into that, um, Brad Pitt being one of the characters, it was also co-produced by Plan B Entertainment. And Brad Pitt is yeah. one of the owners. Well, now he's the sole owner. He used, at the time that it came out, he was a co-owner. Um, and <laughs> it goes down, deeper down the rabbit hole with us because that Plan B Entertainment also co, I believe co-produced, but may have sole produced The Departed, which is what we covered in episode nine. And so, yeah, lots of tie-ins with this movie and uh, our show. And so, well, I believe uh, Brad Pitt is actually listed as an executive producer on this film, uh, just like him himself by name. And, and- Right, and, and, and obviously we didn't mention Nick Cage is in this movie. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I, your boy Cage Rage. There. I was gonna get there. I was gonna get there. But yes, we got we Rage Cage and Cage Rage, baby. I like I did, it. I did not realize that he was in this movie. I totally forgot. I I have really? seen this before, and I totally forgot. So when I saw him come on, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And like, <laughs> it's his like best role of like recent string of shitty movies. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, is, I, was, I was perplexed at how I had forgotten that. But I had also forgotten about that too. And my wife was like, you're, you're doing another Nick Cage film. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, fuck yeah, we are. Yeah. You know what I love about it is, I don't know, if, a funny fact, he actually modeled his speaking pattern on Adam West, like the original mm-hmm. TV show Batman. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I was watching clips of the original Batman and it's actually pretty like funny how like similar it is how he talks and mm-hmm. I love his performance in this movie. I think he's probably the best yep. character and has the best character arc in my yep. opinion. Yep, I, I agree. Um and yeah, that's this is his third time on our show now. Like 
episode 26, we did Face Off. Episode 3, way back episode 3, we did The Rock. And uh, so go check those out. But uh, the movie starts, we get some backstory. Well, after we get the scene of the guy jumping off the, <laughs> the roof as they're kind of giving this little bit of a introduction on the, the pathos of heroes and such. Um, and it's just a great way to kind of introduce the style of the movie because it's it's satirical. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's a black satir- it's a black comedy. I feel yeah, it's it's a satirical superhero movie. And um, I, I'm glad you mentioned tropes earlier, Phil, because like this movie turns a lot of tropes on their head. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I don't have them in a list like I did with the deaths, but as we get to them, I'm gonna I'm gonna call them out as I saw them when we were going through because I noticed that there was a lot of them. Yeah, well, another thing, you know, like, uh, I found interesting about this movie and doing some research, because there, there is a, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's playing on the whole comic book movie, right. um, but the movie itself seemed like, a, you know, an original IP, but it was actually, there is a kick-ass comic, um, yeah. and it was actually written in tandem with the movie, so uh, mm. the, 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 the person, I can't remember the guy's name, but whoever wrote the script for the movie and, and, and uh, I believe directed it as well. Uh, he met Mark Miller, the guy who wrote the comic, and uh, they're just like, like Mark Miller, I guess, pitched the idea to him, and he's like, "Yeah, that's sick. Like, I'll, I'll write a script. You write the comic." And uh, they released, like, I, I believe it was within a few months of each other. The first movie actually follows. There's four books of the comic, and the first movie basically follows the first book, and then the second movie follows book two and three kind of together. So, okay, if you are a fan. Uh, they are quite similar, like both the movie and the book, and they're kind of both known for the extreme violence. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> I actually totally forgot that uh, there was a comic book. Um, I know there was definitely like, a shitty iOS game too, uh-huh. um, but uh, yeah, I totally forgot there was a comic book, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to download Comic Rack again and and totally <laughs> legally acquire those CBR yes. files from those comic books. Yes, you know what's funny actually too, talking about this movie, I talking about tropes and stuff, going back to what Brett was saying earlier. I love the part where him and his nerd buddies are hanging out talking about, like, you know, why hasn't someone ever been a superhero before? And his buddy's like, mm, probably because it's impossible, dipshit. Like, yeah. And I love I love how they're like, Bruce Wayne had expensive shit that doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, the, the nerds uh, I like um, because it kind of starts with them. Uh, we get some backstory on Dave, who's the guy who become kick-ass. And... Um, I had a bit of a stoner moment with the nerds in the high school, actually, how, like, all three of them are in the high school, and they're all kind of awkward and shy walking through the halls, kind of sideways glancing at everybody. And then when they meet up, and the three of them are now together walking, the swag turns up. <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden, the, the nerds have, like, this confidence that comes out because they're in a group. Yeah. Um, that was like us in high school, except for you, Brett, because you were always handsome. <laughs> oh, um, but but and this might tie in with that but later on you see they're still just awkward nerds yeah um, pretty much but yeah um so one of the tropes that comes out at the start um and it's part of why i enjoy the satirical nature of the movie is i like when he calls out like avenging his mother as a trope but calls it out as like it's my mother died of an aneurysm and you might think that that means that i'm out for revenge or something but i'm not you know, it just like <laughs> kind of just shrugs yeah. it off, right? And, I, and I, the scene of what, like when they show his mom die, like just yeah. just like mid sentence, just like pfft. yeah, that <laughs> should have got an honorable mention because it wasn't crazy, but it was very like they're just at the table eating dinner, and she just face plants into the table. Yeah. Talking about talking about like avenging your parents, though. He says that, 
But like Hit Girl's whole story is totally like a Batman light. Like her mm-hmm. mom dies, and then obviously, spoiler alert, Big Daddy dies. Yeah, um, and that obviously motivates her to continuing brutally murdering For bad sure. guys. <laughs> well, and and parent dying is what leads to our arch villain for the second movie. I wanted to ask you guys about this. Um, you know, if someone did this in real life, like in the real world, how would you feel about someone like actually murdering and killing bad guys? Like, do you think that would you would you like be chill with that or would you be like kind of fucked up? Like, what are you I just wanted to kind of a note I just had a note here. That's a Ask the guys point. if they would kill people and pretend to be superheroes and be chill with it. You know, I think that's how um, there's an organization that got started like that. And then they went south. What's it called? Oh, yeah, the police. Um, (laughs) And I'm not talking about the band. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, so I just I think it, uh, you know, I think it goes south. There actually there was a guy, uh, uh, Phoenix Jones. Uh, somewhere in the states, he was an MMA he does fighter. Sound, that's a superhero name. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah, yeah. He he was uh, an MMA fighter, and uh, he actually uh, got a silly suit and and would go around beating the shit out of people. Just, just imagine, um, you're like you're, you're dealing some crack, and you're like, hey. Is that the MMA fighter? Uh, uh, what's his name, Phil? Uh, Phoenix Phoenix Jones, is I that, believe his name is. Is that MXA fire Phoenix Jones in in skin tight lycra approaching <laughs> us? Uh, <laughs> and, and then he eventually he got this whole crew of 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 like of superheroes, uh, and it was it was really lame. And and I it, it ended up the guy like it ended up the guy got like arrested for like like drug dealing. Like I think he was like. He was he was selling like like uh, like coke or something, um, so yeah. So you know, he was, life's not a he was public book, selling it as superhero supplements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I have the power of talking too much. <laughs> so uh, the the actor's got three names, and I'm, I don't remember any of them. But he played McLovin in Superbad. He's the uh, the kid in this movie, Chris D'Amico. I, I call him McLovin too. The whole yeah. movie. Oh, he's yeah. always yeah. going to be McLovin, but he does a good job as Chris D'Amico slash Red Mist. Um, and like he's in, I, I believe it's the comic. Is it the comic book store? And uh, Dave and the nerds are like, you know, they want to introduce themselves to him or whatever. And as he's walking up, the big dude just walks over. He's like, "Fuck off!" But I love because McLovin, like, he like looks and he's like, "A new friend." And just, yeah, Fuck off! Yeah. <laughs> um. So then we get this uh, a little bit of an info dump scene, but this is our introduction to his dad, Frank D'Amico. Um, and they're talking about this coke deal that went wrong, and a guy who looks like Batman stole the dope. Um, it's a bit of a classic gang interrogation scene. Um, and the actor who played Frank D'Amico, probably my second favorite performance in the movie, is he's, he's an actor named Mark Strong. And Mark he, Strong, again, though, he's like an. There was a period there, like in 2010, where they're like, "Hey, we need a villain for our movie." Yes. And they're like, "Hmm." And they're Mark like, Strong. I just imagine. I imagine producers like all hanging out, like snorting coke, and then they're like, "Oh, we'll just call Mark Strong." Yeah. Well, and I was going to say that, like, he's another one of those, uh, as I mentioned in the 300 episode, he's another one of those, like, chameleon actors that can, like, play a bunch of different roles all over the place and not really gain any kind of, like, star-studded notoriety. He can kind of, like, slide into any movie and, like, fit in seamlessly as as a either a major or minor character. And this one, he's a major, and... I, I like him. I like that he's got that kind of a uh, cartoonish uh, Batman slash Bond villain like quirk with the scar on his forehead, mm-hmm. yeah, like sixty nine scar, very villainish. 
Um, <laughs> 69. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed watching this movie and uh, like, I, I actually noted it. That's how good of a time I was having with it. Cause like even the filmmaking, like, okay, so we got this scene where Chris D'Amico McLovin goes to the movies. Right. And he, it's, I, I think it's really cool that like, as he's going to the movies, Dave and the nerds are coming out and then we can all of a sudden show them. And we can cut back to their perspective and point of views. And I just, I don't know. I found that filmmaking touch to be very, uh, very Yeah, clever. it definitely has that, like, really, like, uh, like rapid fire, but very fluid uh, pacing to it. Uh, you know, much like, mm-hmm. you know, a Guy Ritchie movie, for instance. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I was well, I was watching that. And, like, the actual, like, the actual, like, the, the shots and stuff, I find they, they, you know, they range from, like, average to there are some moments where you're just like wow that was really well done but Mm -hmm. yeah overall the filmmaking is is uh it's it's just a really tight Tight. well done uh Mm -hmm. yeah just just no no there's no fluff yeah i was just gonna say like you know how phil always bitches when the movies are like over an hour and a half like this movie's two hours but you don't feel like it's two hours yeah it flies right by it has a really good pace like even i love the like all the like there's lots of montages like on the we get introduced to uh, Mindy and Damon, who is Tit Girl and Big Daddy, and they're practicing yeah. getting shot. Um, yeah. We get we get that montage of Dave pretending to be like kick ass doing his preparations. Yes. Yeah, well, his scuba suit arrives, right? And he's like, <laughs> but that, that's the thing, Terrell. His montage is not even him training; it's him posing in a mirror, <laughs> yeah. saying like cool things. Like that's his. Well, that's, that he I, I, but what would a superhero do, right? Like that, that's obviously how you start yeah. is like practicing your lines. I love how he's looking for it. a cat named Mister Bitey. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's another trope. I, I mentioned this here too. He's literally saving the cat which <laughs> which is a classic trope to get sympathy for the main character of a story and he's literally doing it and i just love how it just on the nose like oh yeah, yeah. Great movie. you mentioned uh uh sorry if i'm skipping ahead here but right. uh uh you trell you had mentioned you know the the training uh big daddy and hit girl mm-hmm. um and i love that like you know you get nick cage and again you get introduced to nick cage in true Nick Cage style, shooting his daughter in the chest. (laughs) Being being all sweet about it, like, okay, honey. And you love him for it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna, just gonna, three more, baby, that's all, three more. (laughs) You're gonna give me ice cream after this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you come to find out that he was being nice because he was using low-velocity rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um... (laughs) But yeah, there's that bulletproof vest scene. Also, he's going to get her a butterfly knife for Christmas. And like, it's funny because it's the classic, like, it's actually a very classic family, like father-daughter scene. It's just the content is all just brutal. I mean, me and my daughter, we always practice uh, her getting shot and uh, stabbing people, you know? That's yeah. Well, my daughter, uh, my daughter, she's, she's. She's figuring out the butterfly knife, you know. Well, she, she's like, one now. She's yeah, one now. I, was, I got her one for her birthday. Her first birthday was a few days back, and uh, you know, what you she's, know she's actually, there. She might actually be getting to the point where she does try to bite you when she gets pissed off. Like, that's <laughs> she's that's been around some one. pretty epic temper tantrums. But yeah, she has, that's around. She, she's gone in for the bite a few times already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can tell you can tell that he's been conditioning his kid to be a badass from like a very young age, um, and then. Through that, we kind of get some backstory on him. Uh, basically, there's a dirty cop who's like works for D'Amico, and there's a clean cop, Mar- Marcus. Is his name Marcus? 
Yeah, yes. Marcus is his partner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, who was his partner, and then there's the bad guy D'Amico himself, and so basically Frank with the dirty cop ended up getting uh, Big Daddy framed for drugs and got him arrested and fired from the police force. His wife ends up committing suicide, and so now he's become a vigilante. That's that's basically in a nutshell the backstory on Big Daddy, um, and they they sort of convey that through some interesting dialogue with like Marcus and Big Daddy, I guess, while he was in the slammer. Well, they do like a comic book kind of like yes. scene even too, which is sick, yeah. Really cool. Um, and then meanwhile, during this, Kick-Ass is trying to self-train. And this is where he ends up getting stabbed by some muggers and then hit by a car. <laughs> um, well, it, it's the guys that earlier in the movie stole their wallets. And right. so he sees them and he's like, you know what? I'm going to try this out. I'm going to go But, but also it. they're like trying to jimmy a car, right? So he's like, I'm um, going to stop them in the act. Brett, I don't know if you noticed this, but that yeah. scene in that parking lot is mm -hmm. filmed like right in downtown Hamilton, like right by. Uh, uh, yeah, this was filmed in Hamilton. Right where Hamburger yeah. is. I, it looked this, familiar. I was yeah, like, this is where filmed in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. A lot like, of it's filmed like, in Toronto too. Like the the scene at the end there, where they're in uh, the Red Mist car, Hit Girl and uh, um, Kick yeah. Ass. That's in Toronto. That's on Yonge Street. So awesome. Yeah, but yeah, Brett, I. I you know, if you if you go back and watch this film again, like mm -hmm. you'll be like, oh yeah, like I you know I used to walk there like every day. Like it's it's like uh, like when so I awesome. when I live downtown, it's like yeah. filmed like right in that area. Speaking yeah. of which, do you guys remember that time we were all drunk and walked through the set of an Arkells video and got yelled at? That was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> really? Was I with you? Yeah, you were with us. <laughs> That just goes to show how drunk you were that day. Yeah, yeah, no um, shit. <laughs> so as a result of his myriad of injuries, uh, Dave slash Kickass ends up with some nerve ending damage and actually kind of becomes a bit of a superhero because of it like that's a superpower, not feeling like people swatting you and stuff, like not feeling pain. Well, the scene when he's back in school and his buddy's just fucking with him. Yeah. Just smacking him. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. Goes to leave and then smashes him with like a, a, a <laughs> yeah. cafeteria tray. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that's what that's what Brett and Terrell would be doing, you know? And I just love how like, because of the concealing his identity and the paramedic like helps him out and stuff and like covers for him. <laughs> the direct result is that his dad thinks he was raped. The school <laughs> thinks he's gay. But Which, he gets the girl of his dreams. I, I was just going to say the, the gay thing ends up being a double-edged sword because it leads to this key subplot with the girl he likes who otherwise didn't even give him the time of day. Yeah. But now that she thinks he's gay, he can be her cool gay friend. And uh, anyways, yeah, they nailed that, and and again, like his friends just like ribbing him about it, like, oh, like well, who who do you like? Who is is kick ass? Is that is that your kind of guy? Like, do you think he's got a great body? Like, yeah, again, like that's that's what we would do. I really appreciate <laughs> that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, we get Chris D'Amico kind of pretending he's a badass. Uh, he he walks in, and his dad's kicking the shit out of a training dummy in karate, and I. I I'll come back to that later. Um, but then he gets a call from these dudes and we see death number two, the microwave scene. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, they're trying to... <laughs> they don't even know how it works, right? The, like, the guys who put him in it don't even know anything about it. It's just like trying to question him and interrogate him. It's like, who took the coke? 
who took the, before they could even continue their line of questioning, he just explodes. <laughs> yeah. Likewise. Well, don't, like, cause they, they call up, uh, the Frank, the Frank. Yeah. they call him up and they're like, yeah, there's no vice here. There was a vice here. It's not here anymore, but we got this big industrial microwave. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Do you think I fucking care? <laughs> I love that. It's so well, great. I love my favorite Frank line is actually a little earlier when they're talking about like who's stealing the coke and everything. And he's like, "What? Am I getting fucked by a ghost?" <laughs> like, no, <laughs> says that. which reminds me of New Year's and <laughs> a guy actually getting. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's a, by a, a we goat. have a very special New Year's tradition. A certain video we watch. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, getting off topic. Um, yeah, so so here's where we get a, a kick-ass's, like, kind of training Rise montage. The fame. And the saving the cat thing. And, yeah, he, he has his first real fight scene. And, basically, it's just him kind of outlasting the assholes. <laughs> like, well, I love, I love what Damon says. It's like, kick-ass, eh? Should have called him ass-kick. Ass yeah. <laughs> well, he delivers sorry. it so deadpan that it's like... He thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> it is funny though. <laughs> what I love about that scene is it like it, it 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 was it was like you know it was kind of a joke, but it actually is like a valid issue in in today's society where like Kickass is like call nine one one and he's like just gets his phone and starts filming and that like that is an actual problem with people now like mm. you know people are too busy whipping out their phones and, and you know yelling world star that to actually you know help somebody <laughs> or or call the appropriate people to help for um, sure and like and you know they're, they're making myspace references and shit in this movie so uh that was a, that was a bit of social commentary that was uh, ahead of its time if you yeah. ask me in that scene yep i agree and uh, the direct result of this, and uh, it's a good thing Buddy did film it because he becomes this internet sensation. And uh, so now Kick-Ass is famous. Dave's gay and he, the girl he likes uh, wants to hang out with him. And the two kind of converge together a little bit because she confesses to him that she wants to get rid of this Razul guy. So Kick-Ass goes there, tases him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... And fails huge with well, after realizing that that's not enough to take well, a yeah, huge drug Phil, game. you know what they reminded me of? It reminded me of us us talking about that one MMA fight where the little skinny dude's entire game plan was to just get the first punch off. <laughs> yeah, go and for he, the, the glove touch. <laughs> yeah, like he he was gonna fake the glove touch and just punch the guy in the face, and that was gonna be his like his big move that he did. Yeah, and he proceeds. Uh, Manny Reyes, uh, yeah, check, look him up on YouTube. He's got some great, great fights. <laughs> it, it, and then, yeah, like, this is what this reminds me of, because it just, it doesn't work. And, like, the other guys are looking at him like, the fuck? <laughs> Buddy, like, rips the tasers off and grabs the knife, and he's about to carve him up, and then Hit Girl saves the day, along with uh, Big Daddy, who's the Batman-looking guy. And now, all of a sudden, all the stuff that's been hinted at in the plot all starts to come together and we're all happy now um the those deaths they didn't make the list but they're still pretty impressive mm -hmm. um, yeah well Terrell had mentioned when uh the... like when russell when when mindy first shows up as hit girl mm -hmm. when she like graphically stabs him from behind and like yeah. that, that that's when i was even like Okay, this, this movie is, is not going to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's going for some realism here. Well, yeah. it's it's so cool because yeah, like up until then, it's like this fun fantasy movie, and like yeah. and it's pulling you along for the ride, and you're you're enjoying it, and then it's just like and and you know it hits you at the same time as it hits, yeah. uh, you know the, the Dave's character that like yeah. like the reality 
of of what is going well, on here yeah, and he's, how he's brutal it actually would be. He's staring in the movie like all fucked up and covered in blood, and he's like staring in the mirror and he's like, "Hit girl and dad, and Big Daddy are the real deal." He's like, "Me, I'm just a stupid dick in a wetsuit." That's what he's <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so he has a bit of an existential crisis, needless to say, but they they do a good job weaving that into the plot because um, apparently when the original Coke deal had went down, someone had got a snapshot from it, and it's actually who we now know as Big Daddy. But the gangsters think it's kick-ass because he's the popular internet sensation. So then uh, Frank sees him walking down the street and just like mafia executes him. Uh, but then finds out, we find out it's an impersonator. But, I mean, there's that brief second the first time you watch it where you're like, what? Um, so I, I guess that's worth a little bit of a mention. But Yeah, well, and they, they play it off, too. Like, they don't they don't make it immediately apparent that it's an impersonator, mm-hmm. right? So Yeah. Uh, yeah. Little, little... I really thought I was like, whoa, I forgot part. The kick-ass just gets brutally murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think that it's now called Big Daddy? Like, the movie just changes the title for it? Um, anyways. I want there to be a Big Daddy movie. Now that like a prequel? That. That, yeah. yeah, like, I, you know, I could deal with that. And, and god damn it, Nick Cage just needs a good role again, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. He's due. Um, so then uh, Chris D'Amico, uh, who's going to become Red Mist, he swears to his dad he can get kick-ass. Um, and desperate to prove his, I don't know, loyalty or whatever you want to say. Um, but he lures him in by being like another cool superhero. We do cool superhero stuff. And they <laughs> hang for a bit and he gets all high. Great stoner reference. I'm glad that it came up because uh, we, we're all about the uh, the stoner effectness. Anyways, they hang out for a bit and then they show up at the lumberyard, which was supposed to be a trap, but it's on fire. And uh, oh shit! And uh, Red Mist runs into the fire, and he's like, "There's people in there!" Blah blah blah. And you think that like he might have some redeeming qualities, but he just wanted to grab the teddy bear that was actually a nanny cam. Um, and then he ends up showing his dad this nanny cam, and it cuts. And this is another cool instance of the filmmaking. It starts out showing the nanny cam footage, like in the quality that the nanny cam footage is. But then it goes to like full quality of the actual scene, the warehouse fight scene. That's an amazing was- scene. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, well, I love. Yeah, it like zooms through the monitor, and mm-hmm. and then yeah, the perspective starts changing. Also, and, yeah, and the, the, that's just like the like the sorry, Terrell. Uh, but uh, yeah, just, it's again just so brutal, and you see how ruthlessly efficient uh, Big Daddy, Big especially is. Big Daddy, but and mm-hmm. Hit Girl, but uh, it also captures that like it's kind of a game to her, you know. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Uh, side note: um, one of my favorite movies we should do on the podcast has the same song during that uh, the lumberyard burning down. It's the the twenty eight days, days later. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love so, that. I I recognize that because fun fact that song was my wrestling entrance theme song for a while. That's and, a good uh, theme song. I yeah, would say. Oh man, if you if you want to trigger your inner anxiety. Just yeah. listen to that song. It'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah, great tune. It's called uh, In a House in a Heartbeat. So go listen to it and uh, and dig it. Anyways, now uh, Frank, Frank D'Amico's on to Big Daddy, um, who realizes that somehow, magically, and decides it's time to make Frank D'Amico go bye-bye, um, as he says verbatim to Hit Girl, which <laughs> is, yeah, it's just great. I don't know. Like, Cage does an awesome job at this, man. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But meanwhile, Dave wants to quit being kick-ass um, and just kind of give it up. Like the whole superhero shtick is way too much for him. So, But first he has to go see the girl and come clean. And in a totally believable situation, he uh, comes out that he's actually straight. He's actually kick-ass. And she somehow just decides to start dating him then and she there. She accepts it. Which yeah. we all know most women would be like, well. <laughs> I, I love it when she asks him to stay. And like, because you know, like they're like 18 year olds or something they're like, like that. They're like 16. They're like 16. No, they're 18, actually. I believe it's mentioned in the film. But I love how I love how kick ass, like, or how Dave, like, his first, like, it was like, oh, oh, wow, okay. And he just goes for, like, the awkward titty grab, like, first thing. <laughs> I don't know. It just, just struck me as, like, really funny. Like, yeah. oh, to be a teenager again and can, just be can like, I tell you guys, I Can I tell you guys a real, can I tell you guys a real embarrassing story uh, related to Absolutely. touching titties? Um, I was uh, first time kissing this girl, and she was at my parents' house. And she was, like, beside me on, like, this chair. And my move was, like, to go around and grab her titty like like this like well yeah yeah and she broke up with me immediately because because of that poor titty grabbing move so if you're out there and you're listening and what i love about the, the the awkward teenager thing about this scene is like she's like you want to stay and he's like like a sleepover <laughs> <laughs> well um, because they were having gay bff sleepover so right um so then we, we see Big Daddy, and there's a bit of foresh obvious foreshadowing in this scene, um, but he lets Hit Girl buy this $300,000 something that we don't find out until later is uh, actually, I'm going to spoil it, whatever. It's a machine gun jetpack. <laughs> which is pretty sick. <laughs> which is really awesome. Yeah, Gatling um, gun jetpack to be. There you go, be, okay. Be, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, Kick-Ass does one last meetup with Red Mist after he decides to delve back in, I guess. Um, and then introduces him to Big Daddy and Hit Girl, which proves to be kind of where the movie starts to do its undoing. Um, it's this shit show where uh, D'Amico shoots Hit Girl, and then his guys all catch and capture Big Daddy, who's distracted by his daughter who just got shot. Um, and then it it leads to the kind of the warehouse... Uh, live stream of kick-ass unmasking which during this scene they're kind of being interrogated and like beat on and stuff and one of my funny like stoner moments was that i thought was like an interesting filmmaking decision was like kick-ass is getting beat on right he gets punched in the face okay he gets hit with a baseball bat in the chest and the film and the balls well that's what i was just gonna say the film only cuts to his girlfriend wincing after he's hit in the balls <laughs> and then she's she's she like it cuts to her she's like oh and then like tears are coming down her eyes anyways my stone brain thought that was funny but um we get another little trope talk here which is uh dave kind of touching on the trope of narrating your own death and he's like oh and you think because i'm narrating i couldn't have died here he's like <laughs> he's like insulting the viewer <laughs> i love how he, when he says he's like you know it's like I wasn't like sad about dying. I was just sad about like all the stuff I would never get to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, never le learn how to drive. Never get to find out what happened on Lost. Which really, <laughs> if you did find out what have you watched Lost, it wasn't worth it. It's not that bad of a thing to not find out. If you haven't finished the series, don't just leave it. Just let just, it yeah. live on in yeah. your mind because it's fucking better. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then we get the badass rescue scene, which um, was the first person night vision scene, which was sweet. Yeah, Yeah. that was giving me some Buffalo Bill vibes. Right, right. Go check out our Silence of the Lambs episode. Uh, I don't know when. It was a few weeks ago, but go check it out. It was really good. Um, Anyways, and then like after that, she kills a few people with the night vision. And then all of a sudden the strobe light comes on and there's this like epic music behind the whole thing. And what I really love about it is like cage the whole time giving like, instructions singing and yelling yeah. these instructions hey, come, child <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets a southern accent out of nowhere yeah <laughs> well i think he's trying to sing right like to to not be obvious about the instructions he's giving that's that's the vibe i was feeling but maybe he was just screaming cuz he was on fire maybe maybe um, that could be I- it Terrell, I wanted to ask you that strobe lights. I know that the, you know you have issues with that. Uh, did that? Did, I, I when I was watching that, I was like, oh, I wonder if like Terrell is like getting a headache or a migraine or anything from that scene. <laughs> no, I was fine. I uh, I no longer uh, get seizures from flashing lights. Okay, <laughs> I just, just totally like, still fuck with you a little bit. So yeah, it was a little. Uh, it, you know, that's a really good question because i think a lot of movies don't even think about how like difficult they are to watch for some people like that movie is one of those movies too like when it came in i was at first i was like oh but you adjust and it was fine yeah. it, it's an amazing it's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie to be yeah it's, it's great and one note that i have about it is like because this is where big daddy dies obviously because he got burnt to shit um and you know it's sad and all and like uh i, I just want to take one step back that epic music behind hit girl kicking everyone's ass that was some sick, like, epic, you know, cinematic music. They did a good job. Anyways, um, but yeah, what I was saying about Big Daddy is, like, the scene is sad, and, you know, he's dead and stuff. And I just I just put, this movie, it isn't enough to have a memorable death scene, but you have to outdo the manner in which the memorable death scenes happen as the movie goes. Like, it's almost like a, a typical story, right, will try to escalate, various elements of the plot throughout the movie and in this movie those elements of the plot are the deaths that happen yeah yeah, like, yeah it, they kill the fuck out of some people in this movie <laughs> yeah so anyways we get a uh, we get hit girl and kick ass planning the final takedown of frank d'amico leads to the final showdown um we get hit girl's entrance to the place where she kind of deals with the doormen by pretending to be like lost, lost or something. little girl yeah, yeah. Um, and I like the Western music that was behind this. this I was going to say that's like, it's, you know what that is? It's a tribute to, uh, 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 Ennio Maricone who okay. did the soundtrack for the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's a great fact. My, my favorite line in this scene is when they're, they're fighting and hit girl actually gets trapped and, and, uh, we, we haven't had the cool entrance of kick-ass yet. Um, and I love when the one guy grabs the bazooka, the other guy turns to him. He's like, it's fine. We've got it under control. And he's like, under control, you're grabbing a fucking bazooka, you dumbass. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I, I like leading up to him grabbing the bazooka where he's just kind of like, because they, sorry, we, we have to explain how they got the bazooka when they raided Big Daddy's place. Um, he just kind of sees it on the wall. He's like, I'm taking this fucking bazooka. <laughs> you know, like, but, um, yeah, they're they're kind of in this weird standoff after Hit Girl has like gone ape shit on a and pretty much bunch, killed everyone in a hallway yeah, with with yeah. a bunch of sweet death scenes. Go watch it. I'm not even going to touch on all of them. You but, know what that actually reminded me of? I, I, I was very ref- reminiscent of was the, the lobby shootout in the Matrix. Yeah, but just 
really fucking gory and like just yeah, yeah it's just and instead of you know trinity and neo you've got hit girl who's like a little girl just no yeah. pun intended kicking ass yeah so what what i love about the the since we're still on the bazooka thing like what i love about the setup for that is the three guys are kind of like huddled behind a corner and she's around the behind like a uh kitchen kitchenette or something anyways buddy turns around and tries to shoot her with a machine gun and takes two knives in the chest <laughs> like mm-hmm. and that's when the big dude's like Fuck, i'm going to get the bazooka <laughs> yeah. um yeah I, I think yeah she's like look she's like did he just say bazooka <laughs> yeah um and yeah kick ass shows up with that sick jetpack with the gatling guns Thanks for the correction, Phil. Um, and shoots the shit out of everybody that's in there. And then we get kind of the final showdown. And it's like a two-fold fight. Um, it's it's Frank, D'Amico, and Hit Girl. And I, I just want to put my hand up. Who here forgot that Frank knew karate from earlier in the movie? Because I did. He was he has this little dojo where he like sits there practicing. Right. And I I had, I'd even noted in that scene, here's Frank beating up a training dummy, blah, blah, blah. And then still, by the time it got to the point where he's fighting Hit Girl, I had forgotten that, oh shit, yeah, he knows karate, right? I mean, you I don't get a, you don't get a six nine scar on your forehead from making waffles for your kids <laughs> on Sunday. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I actually hadn't, uh, Brett, and it's it's interesting that you say that because one of the things I I, I really noticed on this watch through of the movie was that uh, they really establish him as like like the the biggest badass of them all. Because oftentimes when I'm watching these movies and there's like the crime boss, I'm like, why don't these guys just fuck this guy up and just take over his shit? Because the number uh, two's usually yeah 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 yeah. And I, I was actually it's it's just interesting that you say that because like mm-hmm. I was like oh yeah like he he is actually like. He rules through through fear and force, you know. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. I actually, I was, I was like, I was like, you know, oh yeah, like he's a fucking badass, and like this is, you know, Hit Girl's toughest opponent yet. Well, he, he's yeah. actually supposed to be based off of like the Genovese crime family, like the real mafia. Yeah. But they didn't want to use the real mafia. If you look up the background of the comic book, they didn't want to use the real mafia because like they didn't want to write about the real mafia and piss yeah. off. The real mafia. I was getting a kingpin vibe from him. Uh, yes, uh, from Spider Man. Yeah. Mm. For um, sure. So, so he's fighting Hit Girl at the same time that Red Mist and Kick Ass are. I guess you could call it fighting. Really, it's just two nerds with sticks <laughs> just beating the crap out of each other. And they knock each other out. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, uh, Frank uh, kind of choke slams Hit Girl through a table, and that's kind of like one of the one of the big finales of that. Um, and he's about to cap her. When Kickass shows up with the bazooka, bazooka's Frank out the window, and it's not enough to get bazooka out a window, but then the explosion like mm-hmm. fifty feet outside the window, um, yeah, uh, that's that was number five on my list of deaths, and uh, then Kickass and Hit Girl fly off, uh, just literally as red- into the sunset. Yeah, literally into the sunset as Red Mist grabs a samurai sword, and like we know here that they're clearly setting up a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we get some sweet cityscapes as they jetpack around, blah, blah, blah. We're kind of like trying to wind down the movie with a happy ending and they shake hands and tell each other their real names. And then we get kind of like the, oh, well, and here's what happened. Narration scene with all the the stuff that's going on. Mindy's back living with Marcus. 
she's attending Dave's school and like right off the bat, these bullies try to take her lunch money and uh, they don't show her kicking their ass, but you hear the sounds of her kicking their ass. Um, and Dave's loving life with his new girlfriend and everyone's happy. Red Mist is happy too because he's become this like super villain. And, uh, Which uh, is revealed in the second movie, who is now called the motherfucker, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 You don't you don't hear the name, but he uh, he's in his chair and he kind of spins around all ominously, and that's a wrap. Um, okay, so before we do the things, I just want to point yeah. out, yeah, if you were gonna, if you could start straight from scratch, on a scale from one to ten, how much would you not be anything like Red Mist? Like, who the fuck? Makes like emo hair from 2010, and like a okay. like almost like pseudo Robin costume, I guess. Like who you would guys, do that? Like who? You guys know I'm a bit of a car guy, and you know I've always had a soft spot for 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 uh, you know the Ford Mustang, and he's got a Ford Mustang bullet, uh, red mist, and he proceeds to put a bunch of fucking. Uh, I hope this isn't an offensive term, but ricer mods on it. Like, like he's got, well, that's what they call them. I don't know, but either way, who, he's, he's, who is they, Phil? The racist? The, 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 no, the, the, the street racing or, or scene. The street not, racist? <laughs> I don't know. God damn it! But either way, he, he, make, he makes it all Tokyo drift and shit. All right, but uh, that's but way yeah, less racist. <laughs> Those damn but street anyways. racist. <laughs> the street racists. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, they're street racists and they're uh, yeah. He he bastardizes the the. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. But the thing is, yeah, he's got all this. He's he's, he's all uh all flash and no substance. So. Yeah. To answer the question, Terrell, I would I would do the opposite of everything yeah. he did. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah. I just it's like hey, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna hide my like, like what would, like, what would the list that you provided to your rich. Uh, gangster dad consist of if you wanted to go and try to be a, a vigilante superhero? Uh, I'd be like, I'm gonna need uh, a new computer with a GeForce. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> What's the new one? The 3080. Of course you will. Uh, I'm gonna need uh, like you know like a a sensible vehicle. <laughs> yeah, and like I would a... I would just lie about it and get a bunch of shit I wanted. I'd like a, and, and then and then not actually three bedrooms in a finished basement and then not actually do the superhero thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that like if I was to make a superhero suit, I think the obvious choice is obviously like not exactly like Batman's costume. Like one of the things that always bugged me, like even in your picture there behind you feel like kick at like Big Daddy's costume. Like, why is it that superheroes feel the need to not cover their chin? Like, that's a very sensitive area that if you're going to be, you know, fist fighting people, probably be an area you want to protect because... Oh, definitely. You You get punched there. That's the button. They call that the button in MMA. That's what I mean. Like, I hate hate that in superheroes where they always, like, wear all this, like, once again, like, Big Daddy's wearing all this body armor, obviously he's bulletproof. But... Technically, I could punch him in the mouth and knock him out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, I just... I never thought of this, but also, but you know, if you think about you know kicking ass and wearing like a a mask, you know, what do we like? We we we've learned a thing or two about having your face covered constantly uh, over the last year and a half. Um, I feel like maybe maybe it would you know it tire you out maybe a little bit. So uh, yeah. well, I, I but. You know, I, I also was just watching a, a little uh, uh, mini documentary on uh, 
I guess like the most like the 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 best sniper in 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 the history of the world. And yeah, he got his fucking jaw blown off. So yeah, maybe yeah, cover that shit. Yeah, I just wear like a, a full face hockey helmet. Be wrong, something. but I believe there's iterations of Batman where he actually has like just uh like a a titanium strap as part of his helmet that goes around just his yeah, jaw. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there's chin. ones where he has his but chin, yeah, but it the looks worst stupid, version of Batman, but it's probably the worst the version effective. of Batman is the one where he wears like the goggles over his mask. Like, I hate that so much in the new Justice League movies. Yeah. Who do you think has the worst superhero costume? Of, of any I'm going to say ever? Superman. Because like, he, takes, he takes his glasses off, essentially. Like, <laughs> it's like if I changed my shirt and came back and was like, <laughs> you know, this is this is my. Um, are, are we Bill talking who, like, you know, like in the I, I, in cinematic universes, <laughs> or in comics, or anywhere? Would it, would it kick, would it kick ass? Anywhere? Wouldn't Kickass have the worst superhero? Comic? It's pretty close. Like, he, but you know, or at least to have a secret identity of some sort. At yeah. least you know he's got his his face. You know, his, well, you, his most you, you got a guy like, attributes. You got a guy like Aquaman who has no secret identity and looks stupid. So yeah, and it's like, wow, I'm Lord of the Fish. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna. I'd pick Aquaman. For that. Fuck around in the ocean, guys. even though I loved the Aquaman movie personally. I actually really good. liked it. Um, I would say the worst. Know, you know that place where you can't breathe. Better not be committing any nefarious deeds there, <laughs> criminals. You know what the worst superhero costume there is, though, in my opinion, in like comic books, especially. Do you guys remember when Iron Man had somehow a skin tight like Iron Man suit, but then had like the steel mask that was not like skin tight? You right, know? but the rest of it like meshed around his features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you could see his muscles still somehow in his robot suit. Like yeah. I always found that kind of like just stupid. But anyways, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, so let's let's finish this off, boys. Um, I'll, I'll start with the rankings for Kickass. Um, I guess what I have to say is this was a well-written movie, um, and I, I heard this thing recently um, that like a well-written movie with bad actors will generally be received worse than a poorly written movie with good actors um, because actors are so crucial to it. But I think this movie kind of skews the line there because I love the shamelessness of the writing. And even though only two characters really stuck out that I, that I really appreciated, and that was Frank and Big Daddy, um, the acting in this movie overall didn't blow me away. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I liked it still, though. Uh, I think... Yeah, I think I'm just going to give it like a seven. Seven? That's what I'm going with. You know, I think it was an interesting like piece of like satire, and it has like a lot of black comedy elements. I think it starts off like more fun and original than where it ends. Mm-hmm. I think there's like, I think the character of Kick-Ass has like a certain charm about him when he's like kind of making fun of the superhero tropes, and he's kind of like, you know, combining all of these other characters that we know and love into, like, a new story, like Batman and mm-hmm. Spider-Man, obviously, is what Kick-Ass is kind of like. And I, I like that, and I think that if you look at a lot of average ratings in this movie, it does have, like, really good ratings, and I think they're justified. I think it's a fun movie to watch. It's one of those movies, like, you know, I always talk about this, like, how I'm, like, a film critic now, because I've watched a movie, hi. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, um, now that I am a film critic, uh, uh, I would say this movie, it, it's one of those films that like fits in either like one of these buckets. It's either you watch a movie to be entertained or you watch a movie because it's like a piece of art. And like yeah. a movie like American Beauty is like controversial and shit, but it is a piece of art. This movie's right. fun. And if you go into yeah. it like with this expectation that's going to be like something that's not, then then you're not going to like it. But if you go in it to have fun, 
you're yeah. gonna love it. I, and I love the character of Hit Girl. I think yeah. it's cool that little girls, you know, kill dudes, and and it obviously is not for children. Uh, but one, I like that idea, like to make fun of the fact that some big brawny man. One like one girl. line that I I forgot to bring up that I I didn't have in my notes, but I just remembered now was when uh, the one nerd guy sees Hit Girl on TV. And he's like, I think I love her, dude. And then everybody's like, She's like 11 like, years old, dude. He's like, I'll wait for her. I'll wait for her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, continue. Sorry about that. I just. But yeah, it. so I'm going to give it a 7.6. Nice. I like Out it. Out of 10. Um, Terrell, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you, you know, when we talk about uh, I, I actually view this as, a, as an art piece, um, you know, because satire is an art. And and also I view this it's almost it's 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 satire and it's like it's like pop art to me when I watch it. Um, you know I uh, I I did not get high to watch this movie. Um, I, I've I've decided to take a little bit of a break from the ganjas. Um, you know I'm so now I'm I'm a retired consultant uh, as far as uh, providing my stoners hey, POV. Phil, hey, listen, no, hold on, hold on. If anyone out there takes exception to that, just let me ask you one question. Have you ever worked in the cannabis industry? Because I don't think you have. You know who has? <laughs> that guy, right? And Phil, don't there. don't worry. I'm going to smoke weed for me and you both now. From now on okay, out, so. no problem, no problem. <laughs> we, but, I'm sure uh, we can pick up the slack. One, and, one and for Wade, me and uh, one for Phil. One for Wade, Wade, Wade will pick up the slack, too. <laughs> we, know, we know Wade will pick up the slack. Which, but, speaking of that, we, uh, no, uh, but yeah, this movie, uh, you know, it's it, it was, I, I think I think this might only be the second time I've watched it. Um, but uh, I was stoked to watch it just because I, I just, I love those gory kills, man. I love that creative, that creative violence, and I love the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's it's a superhero movie that's not trying to be family friendly, um, and it's not trying to be all dark and like Christopher Nolan style. It has fun with it, and you know, I, I I'm, you know, I'm I'm known for my 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 gallows humor, and uh, so this really appealed to me. So I, I'm actually I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it like a eight point three i guess uh because yeah it was just it's 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 a fun romp and and like i said you know uh i, I think it i think it is an exploration in the art of filmmaking and and yeah. and, and that and that pop art uh satire aspect of it yeah for sure for sure well that's great um so i i just wanted to to bring up for a sec uh we we always say if people want to contact us with movie suggestions or anything um, that will definitely take it into advisement. I, I got on the Twitter feed a, a tag um, from our friend Wade, who's been listening since day one. Um, what up, he, Wade? He seems to what think up, that I kind of look like a Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off and basically cap, put our pictures side by side and said, you know what to do. And I think that was a hint that he wants us to do that movie. And that movie's sweet, so we're definitely going to put that in the docket for down the line. We have uh, a few weeks lined up, so um, it'll be after those. But yeah, we'll definitely take that into advisement and uh, and get to that down the line because we got to do Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's a great movie. Um, yeah. But as for next week, uh, we are going to be getting into our kind of May lineup, which uh, we worked on. And are pretty excited for. We're going to be doing the song is uh, "Blinding Lights" by The Weeknd, and the nice. movie is a classic that everybody knows and likes. Happy Gilmore. So uh, it's going to be a good time. 
We're going to have fun. It's going to be easy. We've all seen Happy Gilmore a trillion times, so it's going to be really laid back and hopefully uh, hopefully enjoyable. So uh, we're excited for that. So um, once again, follow us on our social media channels uh, at the Stoners POV on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our YouTube. Check out our Spotify. And check out uh, Stoners PO- thestonerspov.com for everything in one place uh, as soon as Phil updates it. <laughs> um, shit's been crazy guys come on i get it i get it we all get it we all get it and and listen the these these episodes may not come out like clockwork um moving forward and we've just made an executive decision amongst the three of us that it's our show and it'll come out when it comes out and yeah we do what we want around yeah. here all right <laughs> don't like it make your own podcast exactly and uh so uh we do appreciate everybody for listening though and uh we hope you'll tune in next week so without further ado uh that's it for me. I'm Brett. Uh, that's Terrell. And that's Phil. And this has been the Stoner's Point of View. We'll see you next week-ish. Peace.